the Monday Rewind. Taken there, it's over. Skirtle's head, it's a free header for Steven Gerrard. His first ever goal at Stamford Bridge. I think Chelsea fans have showed respect for a couple of seconds for me, but they've slaughtered me all game, so I'm not going to get drawn into wishing the Chelsea fans very well. It was nice of them to turn up for once today. Keith Earls receives on the wing. Keith Earls steps inside and touches it down in the corner to try for Paddy Jackson finds his man in the wing and out there in behind. It's a try and it comes from Paul Marshall. The smallest man on the pitch gets a potentially huge try for his team. I think uh, I've come up here a number of years and uh, have left home with nothing. We're leaving home, uh, leaving for home with two points so hopefully... Uh, you know, that stands as a stead going into the knockout stage. Did you have a point to prove this week? Did you have a little bit of extra motivation, Ricky? Uh, well, I mean, I played well last week and, um, you know, ended up losing losing on Saturday and around the 16 and uh, I felt like my game was, was where I wanted to and unfortunately didn't play as well as I wanted to um, Saturday here and then a little bit in the early parts of the round, but uh, we finished it off strong and uh, prove to myself we're back where we should be. Robbie needs to play with a partner because when he plays with a partner he's more clever because he's not going to run in behind and do stuff like that but he's still got five yards upstairs quicker than anyone else and one thing he does do he'll score goals. I don't think Robbie will be appreciated uh, until he retires how much he'll be mm. appreciated until he retires because he's a fantastic footballer. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Liverpool's Steven Gerrard on his final game at Stamford Bridge Clinton Morrison on why Robbie Keane should still start up front for Ireland. Remember, we play England and Scotland next month. Also, you heard from Munster coach Anthony Foley on their draw with Ulster, along with Ricky Fowler on winning the Players' Championship. Not bad for a guy who was voted most overrated in a Sports Illustrated poll of players recently. Now, coming up more on all of that, and former Mead player Anthony Moyles will preview the Football Championship, which starts in earnest next Sunday when Donegal take on Tyrone. We'll also hear from Waterford manager Derek McGraw on losing Porrick Mahoney for the Championship, and the Westmead minor manager Johnny Greville on a historic victory away to Wexford. First up, let's get the thoughts of former Liverpool and Ireland winger Ray Houghton, who is on commentary duty with off the ball for the one-all draw between Liverpool and Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. He started with how yesterday's substitutions for the Reds showed how thin their squad actually is. I've got to say in the second half, Liverpool were the better side. They took the game to Chelsea, they looked the more threatening, probably had the better opportunities. Neither goalkeeper was severely tested in, in all honesty and that would have been disappointing from Liverpool's point of view. They had a lot of possession in that final third but the final ball in wasn't up to standard and it also reflected with bringing on the likes of Ibe and Sinclair to show that there's not much depth to Liverpool's team and that the likes of Barini will be making the move uh, no Balotelli today, he'll be on his way Ricky Lambert, I'm not sure he's going to be at the club next season and you've got the youngsters coming through the manager's not afraid to put them in but also to show the owners that there needs to be a major clear out at the club and for some big marquee signings to come in the summer Yeah, it's not difficult to figure out where Liverpool have gone wrong this season over 100 goals scored last season Steven Gerrard's equaliser today was their 50th there's a huge lack of quality in the attacking positions is, is it just down to personnel or is it down to a change in style as well I think well listen they had the style last year didn't they to score 100 goals you've got to be doing something right but they had players that could change a the game the game changes the game changes last season was Sterling on form Sturridge Coutinho Gerard, you know helped with quite a few goals last season and Suarez he was the X factor he was the difference you know he was the one that made defences fearful when they played against Liverpool you know, in the second half of last season, from January to, to May when the season was over, they scored over 57 goals. You know, that was the difference. There was fear when you played Liverpool. There's no fear when you play them now. You know, you know they're, they're not going to score too many goals against you. Uh, and today, once again, it was the lack of quality in the final third. A lot of, lot of possession in that area, but the delivery in the box wasn't good enough. And even when you're delivering the ball in there, you know, there's not strikers making the right runs. You know, like Ricky Lambert, I feel sorry for Ricky. He's came in, he wasn't ever going to be the main player in the Liverpool side. He was always coming in as a backup to the Liverpool strikers. But he's had to be forced into issues. Even today, you couldn't fault his attitude, you couldn't fault his commitment. But when he's the lone striker, he's not going to get across the pitch all the time to help out on the right and then over on the left-hand side. It's just not, that's, he's not that type of striker. Uh, and unfortunately the service to him, to him today wasn't up to standard and that's why Liverpool didn't create the chances that's probably the reason why it's been like that all season you know, Ryan Sterling's been preferred as the striker even though when you've had Barini, you've had Balotelli you've had 
uh, Ricky Lambert but the manager didn't want to play them he wanted to play Sterling and I think that's intent to show that the, these players don't think they're quite good enough at this level You've travelled up and down the country throughout the season watching a huge amount of Premier League games is there a player out there a striker out there in English football or even during your travels for Champions League football that you think would be within Liverpool's reach who could bring them back to the level of last season? Well, if you're looking at players, I mean, you'd be looking at Cavani being one of them at the minute when you really to, uh, to to come in. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Theo Walcott at the moment. You know, I don't know if Theo signed his contract at Arsenal. Is he what Liverpool need? Um, he's, he's not an out striker, that's for sure, but he'll give him a little bit more pace going forward. And you just feel with Walcott that he's got something to prove. You know, with all the injuries he's had, he's flattered. You know, everyone thinks he was going to be like real top class and it hasn't quite worked out for Theo. He's still young enough. You know, he's still got time to actually go out and, uh, uh, you know, finish his career on the next five years to have a real impact in, on, on the English game. Uh, so it's up to, you know, that if, if Brendan thinks he's the right man. I'm not sure how many players are out there. I mean, Luis Suarez was around in the Dutch league for a while without anyone really gambling on him. And look what he did when he came into Anfield. He was an absolute revelation. Coutinho was another one. Coutinho was over in Italy struggling. You know, no one would really fancy them. And he came in and he was, uh, you know, in the top six players of the year, uh, you know, f- voted by the PFA. Uh, and he's had a decent... You know, I would say half a half a season really. First half of the season, I thought he was off his game. You know, in the last half he's been much better. Uh, but he's another player that you look at, and he's come in and he's done he's done reasonably well from you know uh, from a side in Italy where he, he was struggling. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking to unearth one or two, and that's where your scouting network has to be its very best out there, looking for players worldwide that can come in. Uh, who you know everyone else hasn't seen so far, or you know you see something in them that others haven't, and then he comes in and he, he he hits the ground running in the English part or the, the Barclays Premier League. We've commentated on a lot of Chelsea games over the last few months. They have such a solid foundation defensively from the back five to Matic and Fabregas. The next level then, is there a player out there that, or do you think even Jose Mourinho is looking for a player to change their attacking style of play for next season? Yeah, I think he is. I think there's no doubt about Jose Mourinho will be looking at every. I mean, there's talk about Gareth Bale you know, coming in. You can imagine Hazard one side, Bale the other. A fully fit Diego Costa and Fabregas in behind them. Be Matic sitting uh, you know, in front of the back four. You know, that will certainly would be quality, uh, which Chelsea Chelsea need two or three more players. You know, they're not going to give much away. But see the English game isn't suited to the Champions League because it's frenetic. You know, it's about look how many times the ball was given away today. You know, you watch Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, they don't give it away as often as that. But the problem is the opposition give it straight back to you. You know, when you play in the Champions League at the latter stages, you're not talking about qualifying because most of the English teams should get through that comfortably enough. But this when you come to the knockout stages against the best teams. That's when you have to retain possession. You know, you can't give it away to them good sides because they'll punish you. And that's what's happened to the English sides in the last couple of seasons. But it'll change, I'm sure. You know, like anything, it's cyclical. It'll go round. Uh, and I expect the English clubs with the financial power they've got that they can... You know, go out there and strengthen teams, but so will Barcelona, so will Real Madrid, so will Bayern Munich. You know, they're out there looking for the same players that Man United are, Man City are, Chelsea are. You know, Liverpool, Arsenal. You know, there's only so many top talented players around, and they're going to be spread around the best teams. And the likelihood is they'll go to Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern Munich before they come to England. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was off the balls. Nathan Murphy talking to Ray Houghton about Liverpool's many problems following their one-all draw with Chelsea now still to come Guinness Pro 12 Rugby Anthony Moyles on the Football Championship and Westmead minor manager Johnny Greville on a historic win over Wexford first though QPR are down following a humbling 6-0 defeat to Manchester City at the Etihad they've just had such a problematic season it's been kind of hard to keep up with it all they also face a massive massive fine for breaking um financial fair play rules anyway what about on the pitch where has it all gone, gone wrong a Rangers defender Clint Hill spoke to off the ball commentator Dave McIntyre about Joey Barton referencing bad eggs in the dressing room and how that has affected things but first he outlines their on pitch problems this season I just think all the mistakes and errors we've made throughout the season just happened to to play out in 90 minutes here at Man City you know we just weren't good enough and um, that's been been throughout the season you know, we conceded late goals and, and missed out on points that maybe we should have got and, and ultimately you deserve to go down if you keep making the mistakes so yeah yeah, it's difficult but 
we are where we are because we, we haven't been good enough. There was a, a couple of stages of the course of the season where the players were questioned. I know you had an incident with the fans and there was some stuff from Joey during the week where he said there were one or two bad eggs in this QPR dressing room and not, everybody wasn't pulling in the right direction. I mean, has there been this sort of spirit or lack thereof in this change of room that has been damaging to your quest to stay in the Premier League? It's not damaged me, to be honest with you. No matter who's who's not pulling in the right direction, whatever shouldn't affect you as an individual. And in every dressing room, you're not going to get the right kind of people. You know, there's, there's obviously there's certain people that might not put the effort in there, or they might not be right on the training ground. Doesn't that fester though and, and leak in on everybody else? Why should it? Why should it? You know what I mean? It shouldn't affect you as a personal professional. So ultimately, the lads that have gone out there have tried everything, give the hearts in the performances, but ultimately probably didn't have the quality to stay up in the Premier League, simple as that. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was QPR defender Clint Hill on relegation and if there's bad eggs in the dressing room. Remember, you can contact us on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com. We'd love to hear from you at any stage during the week. Still to come, Anthony Moyles previews the football championship and we look ahead to the Champions League semi-finals. First up, Guinness Pro 12 rugby and on Saturday, Ulster drew 23-all with Munster in a dramatic encounter at Kingspan Stadium while Connacht beat Zebra away collecting a bonus point along with the victory. That all means that a win for Munster at home to Dragons next Saturday could be enough to earn a home semi-final if Ulster beat her draw with Glasgow or if Ospreys lose her draw away to Connacht. Ulster are fourth at present but no home semi is possible with a win away to Glasgow Warriors. Sounds like a hard task and that's because it is. Now after the match on Saturday in Kingspan Stadium. I spoke to Ulster coach Neil Doak about the performance and the result and of course next week's game. Uh, but first, Anthony Foley on their performance. But first, next week's clash with Dragons in Cork. Well, Dra- Dragons have beaten Leinster home and away this year. Um, you know, they're a good side. They've, um, they've a lot of quality players in their side. Uh, we'll prepare the same as we prepared this week. We'll make sure we're fully focused on the on uh, on the game and making sure we get uh, the result and hopefully we we'll try and get um, a better position in the top four. What did you say at half time, Anthony? Because it was only a one point gap they led, but you probably had the better of it. So it must have been a strange situation. Yeah, look, when I got up out of my seat to go down, we were six points up, you know, and um, on the way down uh, we were one point down. So it, it, you kind of change what you have to say at half time. You know, but you reinforced the 38 minutes that you've played where you were 9-0 up, you know, and uh, and uh, the control that we had for long periods of the game. Then, and, uh, you know, and, and you just emphasise the positives, to be honest with you. you. You just understand that the game against quality opposition will, will change on fine margins, and uh, that it did. And just finally, what was the positives and what were the negatives? What immediately jumps out at you after the game? To concede tries uh, where where the opposition don't really have to work that hard or are pretty hard to to stomach at times. But I thought from the effort and uh, uh, skill level of both teams and the physicality of both teams, I thought it was an excellent contest. And I'd say a lot of people are very happy to watch that game. Yeah, look, obviously disappointed with the result. Um, boy, showed a little bit of character at the end, especially with you know Dynaman and uh, they come away and get the get the try and a great kick from Jacko, you know. Pleased to get the draw, but um, yeah, a little bit frustrated with you know a couple of things that we we done pretty well, and you know didn't capitalise on the on the opportunities we created, and you know that's the frustration of the game. What were the things you did well? What were the things that you're not too happy with? Yeah, look, we created some opportunities, and you know if if we maybe had a held on to the ball for maybe a phase or two after that, and um, you know we might have got in for you know a couple of extra scores, um, you know that's. A, that's the the frustration of playing quality sides. If you don't capitalise on those opportunities, then um, you know it can cause you problems down the line. And um, you know, obviously, you know a few set piece issues that um, you know we we need to look at this week. You know, and uh, you know the, against uh, against big sides, you know, set pieces are key area, and that gives you the platform to, to sort of dictate your game and uh, and sort of launch things off. And just finally, no matter what happened today, you were always going to go to Warriors and try and win over there anyway. Yeah, look, we needed two wins, you know, and uh, we've uh, we still need another win, you know, and we, unfortunately, thing now is just out of our hands, you know, we've got to rely on uh, on Connacht doing us a favour against Ospreys, and um, you know, and look, Connacht have had a great season so far, and you know, that's uh, you know something that um, you know they they want to finish their season off well, especially at home, and uh, you know, hopefully they're still fighting for Champions Cup, and you know that'll uh, that may be the deciding factor on things. 
This is the Rewind on News Talk and that's Ulster coach Neil Doak who has confirmed, by the way, that they will appeal Ian Henderson's red card. He picked that up towards the end of the match against Munster on Saturday before Doak, you heard from Anthony Foley. Well, what about Connacht? Their bonus point win over Zebra ensures they'll go into their encounter with Ospreys next week, still fighting for an automatic Champions Cup spot, although they're more likely to end up in a playoff. Here is Connacht coach Pat Lamb speaking to Galway Bay FM's Rob Murphy. We talked about it all week that um, we knew that was going to come, but we the only way we deal with that with that sort of pressure is to apply our team attack and our and, and our and our defense structures. If we came as individuals, as I keep saying all year, then it'd be very difficult for us. And you know, and we talked about big focus was look after the ball. You know, we, we the statistics show we're we're the, the least penalized team and they're the worst penalized team. So if we could keep ball and not throw balls away or lose ball then we could apply some good pressure and that I suppose that's the frustrating part of the game was that we when we did that you could see what we could do and then um, you know losing ball or offloads or you know well not offloads 50-50 passes you know uh, gave them opportunities and uh, so but at the end of the day it's a job done well and you know we we, we brought some, some of it back into our control um, you know, getting ahead of Edinburgh now, and, uh, and it puts some pressure on Scarlets, which is what we wanted to do. This is the rewind on News Talk, and that was Connor coach Pat Lamb on their win over Zebra and next week's vital meeting with Ospreys. It's on in the sports ground, and there'll be a great atmosphere. Remember, finishing sixth earns them a Champions Cup spot. Well, Gaelic Games now, and shortly we'll preview the football championship with Anthony Moyles, formerly of Mead, of course. But first, the Turling and Waterford will be without their free taker, Porrick Mahoney, for the championship after he broke his shin bone at the weekend. Deja boss Derek McGrath spoke to WLRFM's Kevin Casey about the injury and how much they'll miss him for the championship. Our heart goes out to him, I have to say, in, ter- in terms of the leadership qualities that he's displayed this year and his whole approach inside the dressing room and on the field, like he's. He's been a talisman for us, really, you know, so just very disappointed for him himself and his family, you know. He's put so much into it, and ironic, I suppose, that it's probably to the day that Philip broke his leg, you know, the double fracture in his ankle and, and, and fibula last year. So, yeah, like, look, we're all devastated for him, not not for ourselves, but for him himself, because he's put so much into it, you know. Yeah, I can uh, totally understand that. And I suppose sometimes you can overplay it and, you know, exaggerate the importance of a fellow. But I, I don't think you can in this instance. I think it's fair to say you probably wouldn't have won the league without him because he was, as you said, your go-to man. Yeah, and I think I think more than ever, I think the, he probably had a reputation for being, you know, very, very accurate from freeze, etc. But I think physically, mentally, the resolve he's shown this year in terms of his whole development of his general play, we, like, we would have always found him to be excellent. But I think he was... You know, some people might have said he was just, you know, he was there for freeze and not freeze alone. But, you know, his general contribution this year has been immense, I think, from play and from 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 freeze. You know, he's really led the team very well in the forward line, you know, and um, he'll be a very, very significant loss to us, you know. But, listen, he's a Mahoney and the Mahoney's, the way they're reared in terms of the resolve and the, and the honesty that's within their household and the way they bounce back, as, as has been demonstrated by Philip this year, he'll be back, he'll be... He'll get he'll get a great recovery in with us, and he'll he'll um, get great support from from his club and from his family, and there's no doubt about that, and from his Waterford family as well. So that's that's the main thing that we keep him as positive as we can now. You know, at the end of the day, we're only playing sport, if you like, and and whilst people put major emphasis on on the hurling, and we all kind of live it as as if it's our life and nothing else matters. You know, it puts perspective on things when educationally you have to kind of defer exams based on um, your involvement in, in 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 matches at the weekend, if you like. So. You know, we're just we're, we're heartbroken for him, but we you know that the nature of management and and teams is that you just have to move on, and that's you know you you have to display, and hopefully it might drive us on in other ways, you know. And best wishes from everyone on the rewind to Pork Mahoney of Waterford. Well, Westmead's win over Wexford in the Leinster Minor Championship was the good news story of the weekend. The feel good factor boosted by that two eleven to fifteen points the final score. After the game, manager Johnny Greville spoke to Midlands one three about what the result means, but first. He talked about how they achieved it. We're happy enough at half time. Like you know, we we could have pushed on maybe yet, but look at as we on the way down the bus here, we, we watched the All Ireland final from last year with Tip and Kilkenny on the way down. And you know, in games, tight games with two top teams, you know, it's score for score, score for score. So you have to react to every score. And we made sure we didn't panic when we conceded and when we scored, we, we got composed again and got back up the field. And you know, one of our key things coming into the game was no matter what happened in the match, wasn't the panic. And I suppose some of the quality scores we got in the, in the first half were, were very good. You know, and I suppose maybe the, the, the Killian's goal, I think. 
in the in the, in the second half was probably the key score in the match. You know, Johnny. I mean, overall, I mean, not too many Westmead supporters here, but this is a fantastic day for Westmead hurling. It is. I, I probably I'm, I'm around a long time. I was only a nipper of yeah. four or five years of age, and I was in Crow Park as a mascot. And I have the you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was I was yeah. there for that. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I would have seen a lot of near you know moral victories as, yeah. as Jerry say. You know, I've seen a lot of going down to Port Leash and the game going against you and this sort of thing. So I think this is a turning point for Westmead. You know, the, maybe that Mick Cosgrove's goal back in Port Leash that time. Maybe this is this this is payback for all of that. You know, all year we were addressing ourselves, making sure we were right and making sure we were prepared going in. So we we'll take whoever's in the semi final, and it's a, it's a it's a massive step forward for Westmead. Like and you know, I said I said already about travelling. Like we travel well, so maybe a game in Cusick Park might might help us as well. But wherever it is, we don't mind, and whoever it is, we don't mind. Yeah, and tell the truth, you were about sixteen when you were the mascot, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I wish I wish I would have been nearly playing if I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the rewind on News Talk. A very good day to you. I'm Oshin Langan. That was Westmead minor manager Johnny Greville after their win over Wexford in the Leinster Championship. What a victory it was, and their seniors. Uh, almost guaranteed a Leinster quarter final spot after their win over Antrim yesterday. 121 to 7 points, the final score. In the other game, Leash beat Carlo 117 to 114. The next games are on Sunday week when Leash host Westmeath and Carlo take on Antrim. Now, Westmeath not actually absolutely guaranteed a spot in the quarter finals, but it looks very likely that they will top the group. And that means that they would play awfully the second place team in the group take on Wexford in theory a much tougher game and we mentioned a good weekend for Westmead but their seniors and minors winning well Leash continued their upward trend because at minor grade they actually beat Offaly and I think it's their fourth year in a row beating their Midlands neighbours well the senior football championship begins in earnest next week with uh, games in three of the four provinces in Connacht Leitrim welcome Galway on Sunday with the winner playing Mayo in the semi-final of course Galway beating New York already while in Leinster Leash go to Carlo on Saturday night with the winners facing Kildare. Also on Saturday, Division 4 champions Offaly meet the team they actually beat in the Division 4 final, Longford, at Dublin awaiting the winners of that one in the next round, while on Sunday, Lee Louth meet Westmeath, with the winner playing Wexford. And the feature game next weekend is absolutely no doubt. Donegal against Tyrone and Bally Buffet. Uh, we'll feature that in detail shortly, but first, Meath fullback or former Meath fullback Anthony Moyles joins us. And uh, Anthony, given the negative talk about the state of football and how I suppose unfit for purpose the championship structure is are you still excited at the start of the, sh- the summer or or has your enthusiasm been dampened somewhat it hasn't actually no um, all the talk about it already you think it would make an impression but um, no it hasn't I think this championship is actually very very exciting I think there's some cracking games to look forward to um, I think it's going to be probably the cagiest championship that we've seen over the last number of years and cagey in, in the sense of I think teams have seen the success of deploying a certain tactic and a certain kind of way to play during the league um, and certainly Ulster teams have, have seen the the benefits of doing that and uh, I think they'll they'll bring that into the championship and I think you'll find that games are much tighter and that teams are going to deploy obviously an awful lot more tactics um, you're going to have a situation where probably some will be pretty low scoring um, and teams will be just doing whatever they can to get over the line. Now we won't go through every opening round stroke quarter final match match by match because we'll we'll be here all day and quite frankly we won't be talking about the All Ireland winners for the bulk of them. Certainly most of the teams won't be in the conversation. Two teams who might be though do meet next weekend and what is certainly a very interesting opening match in Bally Buffet, Tyrone against Donegal, Donegal in relatively good form in the league, Tyrone struggling. They got relegated, granted one and under twenty one title a couple of weeks ago. How much actual relevance that has to the senior squad I'm not sure but it gave the county at least a bit of a boost going into a, a very very I suppose glamorous opening game even though it mightn't be an entirely entertaining one yeah. in some ways if yeah. you follow my lead and all yeah. that there's a lot yeah. going on yeah. there glamorous glamorous <laughs> might be one way of putting it <laughs> um, up in Bally Buffet we were there two years ago and, on a horrible uh, day yeah, really, yeah. yeah the rain was coming in horizontal um, the crowd were, were, were it was dampened let's say but the enthusiasm of Donegal people to beat Tyrone people certainly won't be won't be won't be won't be dampened. Um, I was at a, I was at a thing on on Friday night in Monaghan, um, and you know just getting the sense and just chatting to people because sometimes like if you're from Leinster or from Connacht or Munster you don't really understand maybe the intricacies of of, of some of the rivalries up there. But Donegal Tyrone um, is a massive rivalry. So this is enormous. And, and one thing that struck me about that game two years ago, and it's exactly the same now, how early it is in the season. So 
Donegal and Tyrone have basically been preparing for this game now for the last four to five, maybe six weeks, um, and really are in championship form for those six weeks to get. This is this is nearly their Ulster final to a certain degree. Um, you know, if you lose this game, you're out and you're waiting for the qualifiers for a long, long time. You know, now that can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing. Uh, it can be a good thing in the sense of you can maybe get your head around it and say, okay, now we're going to have a real go at the All-Ireland series. A bad thing in the sense of, you know, players go off, you end up playing a few club championship games um, and focus may be lost. But this is a massive game. Um, Donegal, under new management, they've been motoring well, nothing really new. Can Tyrone on earth, can some of these under-21s step up and help the likes of Sean Cavan and these guys, Maddie Donnelly? Um, I'm not convinced by Tyrone. I still don't think they have enough. Um, What's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? Very good question. Um, I still think... What's been lacking in the last few years is down the middle. So at six, I felt they've been wide open uh, and they've tried to repair that a number of times. They've conceded goals um, from teams just running straight down the middle at them. Um, they rely heavily on Kavanagh again. Like he is their talisman and everyone knows that, but the reliance on him is, is, is unbelievable. If you shut him down, you have a fair chance of shutting down Tyrone. Matty Donnelly is a, is a fantastic footballer um, and there's a lot of good players coming through. I haven't seen a whole pile of the under-21s, but the Tyrone system is will always give you a chance um, and I suppose that's come under question and scrutiny the last couple of weeks. Um, but they're just a smart footballing team and they do whatever it takes to win. You were there with me that time, and what they tried to do is they tried to move Donegal, the defensive Donegal system. They tried to shift that left and right by playing very, very lateral crossfield kick passes. Um, they nearly used Stephen O'Neill as a, as a foil that day, with the two McGee lads sitting in front of him, and he hardly got a kick. They hardly even put a ball into him, and 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 the reason was they knew if they put it in, the two McGee boys would probably strip it from him. So. Um, they they did okay that day, you know. It was, it was tighter than than than, than even at the end, um, and they weren't that far away. Can they bridge the gap? I just think Donegal still have too much. They've no injuries as well now. The fellas coming back into form, I think they are definitely smarting from last year. Um, but Donegal and Tyrone are on that side of the draw in Ulster. That is just. A nightmare, you know. You've got some big, big teams on that side. So, um, you know, this is the first step for either of these teams in 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 a pretty. It's it's going to be a pretty dangerous side uh, because you've obviously down Derry and um, who's the last one in there? Armagh, Armagh. On that they, side. and they await the winners of this game. Exactly. Um, do you think Donegal have to evolve, or do they have to do anything different? To last year, I mean, they came very, very close to winning in All Ireland, and it doesn't look to me from the outside. Like they have to change a whole pile under new management. No, I don't think they have to change a whole pile. But at the same time, you do have to. You would hope that say different players now come to the fore and take on a bit of extra, you know, I suppose leadership qualities and and, and start to put their hand up. So the likes of Paddy McBurty, it was very good to see him during having a very solid league campaign. He's a guy who. You know, he he nearly kind of faded away last year. You know, at one stage, you know, he he wasn't getting in the team. He was only coming on, um, but he has proved himself that he has the hunger now. And I think McFadden, who was on the far side, he was waning down in the championship last year. You need a McBurty coming through. Um, Michael Murphy is obviously still massively important. You know, they've got some. Older campaigners, shall we say, um, not necessarily age-wise, but definitely miles on the clock. Can they go again? It's a. It's a it's a it's a pretty tough game that they play in the sense of it's as a player you do a lot of running you know you do a lot a lot of running and you don't really get much ball and that's the kind of way they play the game so you end up doing massive massive miles you put a lot of mileage on the clock um, and probably more so than any team because of their defensive system and the way they get back and then they shift up the field um, do they have to do much different no will I think will they pull a rabbit out of the hat I don't think so they're very they're very safe and they're very comfortable in the way they play uh, they play it I think better than any other team in the country and at the end of the day so many other teams are trying to play the way they play yeah. um, and take stuff from them so um, they're the past masters at it um, and I think in Bally Buffet I think they'll just have enough to get over Tyrone OK well look we'll talk more about the Ulster Championship in the coming weeks um, what about Leinster all the talk in the last couple of days has been about Dublin and the fact that they pretty much are always guaranteed to play in Croke Park 
is that something that needs to change? Because Leinster is in trouble, let's face it. And that, that's one thing that they could easily change. Everything else maybe requires a bit more work, but, but, but that's something they could do immediately to help out. Yeah, I think it would even the playing field to a certain degree. Um, there is a lot of talk of this. You know, Dublin have come out of Leinster, or come out of Crow Park on, on a few occasions over the last number of years. They nearly got caught by Longford, if you remember correctly, mm-hmm. a number of years ago. Um, I think this Dublin team are are extremely experienced um, and I don't think they'll worry where they play it. If they played it in a, the back garden somewhere, they, they, I don't think it'd matter too much because they have a lot of guys there with all Ireland medals. They have a lot of kind of, as I say, older experienced fellas who are able to bring these younger guys through. The only thing is Crow Park does um, give them an, an added advantage. It does. It's, it's just they see it as their home. Um, they see it as their home pitch. You know, discounting even Hill 16, just the environment, they, 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 they know about all about just how, how comfortable they are going in there. There's there's a nice safety net and there's a nice kind of, as I say, comfort factor in the, in knowing that you're going into play. When you go down to Longford, you go to Tullamore or you go to, you know, wherever it is, there's a, there's a difference. Even the whole thing of getting a bus down, the whole thing of just the logistics of it, just, just a certain something about it, going into a dressing room that you're not really used to, running out onto a pitch that you're not used to, kicking points into a goals that you're not used to, um, can take a little bit of getting used to. Um, is it enough that all of a sudden you think Dublin will be best? No, um, I don't think so, because I think, obviously, as you say, they're the, they're the, they're the favourites, again, not only for Leinster, but for the All-Ireland series. Um but could it make squeaky bum time in some other sp- spots in some other games? Yes, it could. Um, and, you know, uh, you might find that they go up against, say, someone like an Offaly or someone like that or whoever it is. Um, and if they are at a Crow Park, it might cause, yeah. you know, a few problems. I mean, look, from the Leinster Council's point of view, there are very logical arguments as to why you would keep them in Crow Park. But, uh, you know, I just think it would be good for the matches themselves and good for local economies as well. There'd be a good knock-on effect if you got Dublin out of Crow Park. Um, if you're looking at the Leinster Championship from a Kildare or a Meath or a Leash player's point of view, because those are always teams that are kind of in the conversation. They haven't been recently, but traditionally they are when it comes to the Leinster Championship. How do you motivate yourself ahead of this year? Because none of them are in the conversation this year. It's it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Dublin will win Leinster. Yeah, it is. Um and, you know, I've looked at it and I've kind of not even, <laughs> let's say, taken my biased view of it. Yeah. I'm trying to say, OK, you have does the look someone of a man, have yeah. a chance? Yeah, you have the look of a man right now who's thinking, God, how can I make an argument yeah. as a pundit for any of these teams? <laughs> yeah, no, well, I can make the argument. You know, I think Dublin have frailties, OK? Um Every team has frailties. It's, it's the ability of a manager of an opposition team to, to expose those frailties while at the same time hiding your own frailties as much as you can. Um, Mead, uh, going back to them, but uh, Kildare, I think, have, have taken a step back, unfortunately, this year during the league. Will they have enough time over the last kind of six to eight weeks to repair that and come good? I think Jason Ryan was trying a few things in the league. Like, they started off poorly enough, but at the same time, they had down bet. You know, and who ended up getting promotion, and then they got they conceded two one in the last five or six minutes. So that knocked the stuffing out of Killer a bit. Killer still has some very good footballers, but there seems to just be something missing down there at the moment. So uh, Leash, yeah, Leash, I thought had a decent enough campaign. Showed it in patches, um, won some decent games um, against some decent opposition, but again, kind of ended up mid table. I think they're still too light up front. Um, Offaly, I think, are a team who are on the up and up um, and I think could cause problems and could actually go a good deal in the Le- in, in the Leinster campaign. I think they may end up playing Dublin, um, potentially. And you yeah, know Because they play off uh, Longford first and if they win that, they play Dublin. Correct, yeah. So um, if they can get over Longford, they might cause Dublin a few problems. Um, and then down to Mead. I think Mead have been building. Um, they've got some good fellas. They've got Conor Gillespie, Kevin Riley, and, 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 and Shane O'Rourke back in the last few rounds of the league. Three experienced campaigners for them. And they've blended in, I think, a bit of youth and a few new fellas into the team all through the league. Very unlucky not to get promotion. Probably should have got it. Um, can they, have they enough to take Dublin? I think they've enough to get even closer this year to Dublin because... Wallace is back. They've got pace. 
Whereas last year, I think they relied too much on pace and the size was, was a small forward line. I think this year they'll revert back to maybe a few bigger men, um, but throw in and sprinkle in the pace as well. They're solid enough at the back and I think they're very solid in midfield. Gillespie's a massive player for them, a big leader. They've worked out Cluxon's kickouts. We've seen that in the last few years. So they've put pressure. They'll apply it from there. Um, and I think they have to have a go at the Dublin full back line. They have to keep that Dublin full back line in situ as a two, three and a four. Keep it in there. Don't allow Philly McMahon come out the field, i.e. so don't bring your own corner forward out and literally just bombard them with balls. You know, high, low, doesn't make a difference. Get as much in there as you can and then hope that you can get a few goals off it or, or scores off it. Look, Dublin are still the favourites, um, playing massive football, very, very attractive football. They've, they're trying to mix it now with, with playing a bit of more defensive stuff. But I think Dublin will, will, will look at each individual game, and you could see this in Gavin in the league, and he'll go, OK, if these guys are going to set up defensively, we know we can get a bit more defensive. If it's going to be a shootout, well, then we'll just play shootout football. And they're good enough to play both. Let's move over to the West in Connacht. Mayo going for five in a row. Galway, though, have improved, as have Roscommon. Yeah, Roscommon have been, you know, I'd know Evans, I'd known pretty well, not pretty well. I've met the man a good few times. I know him, I know, I know him. He's, he's come out to help out in my own club team a couple of times. Very, very nice fella. A man who has a simple philosophy on football um, and who's had massive success, obviously. So his confidence in his, in his belief in himself comes true in a team. You know, there's nothing worse than sitting in the dressing room um, as a player and you're trying to maybe develop a system. And you're kind of even looking at the manager who's questioning it himself, you know, and maybe who tinkers with it a lot. Evans has a very simple philosophy, very simple style of football. He's 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 deploying it. I think he has massive confidence. You know, they're a team of brothers actually. There's a couple of sets of brothers, you know, so they're they're a family unit, you know, and he talks about this. So He's going to have them playing like a family, if you know what I mean. I hope they don't bicker between themselves. But apart from that, they should be fine. Mayo and Galway. Mayo haven't shown enough for me that they've unearthed any new forwards. I think they're still heavy reliant on the same fellas. Um, Now, that's still a very good team. um, And they've been very unlucky in the last few years. Can the new management team inspire them and give them that extra little bit to bring them over the line? We shall see. But Galway are coming too. You know, Galway had a decent league campaign. Um, they got the, Without the Curfin boys, they all came back then as well. So, uh, Connacht for the first time in a long number of years is going to be very, very tight. You know, obviously Galway will more than likely play Mayo and then the winner of that will more than likely play Roscommon in, 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 in a Connacht final. Is it a thing of Roscommon have to win a Connacht final? I don't think so. They'll still end up in the quarterfinals. Um, and sure, when you get into quarterfinals, you can probably pip anyone. Um, you know, it's going to be on the day. So it's it'll be tight. It, it'll, it's, it's going to be intriguing, Connacht. OK, let's go to Munster, the All-Ireland champions, Kerry, Cork and well, Tipperary. They open up against Waterford. We'll start with them before we move to, to the big two. But Tipperary are making themselves kind of one of the bigger teams uh, in Munster, aren't they? They are, um, and it just shows the phenomenal work that has gone on, obviously, in Tipperary um, at an underage level, and, and, and it just shows that, you know, for any other county, you know, you put the structures in place, you know, you get an ethos, you get a, you get a, you get a line of thinking from not only the, the county board committee, but all the way down through the clubs, and, and it starts to reap rewards, you know, and it bears dividends. And that's what you can see. It's very, very simple. Um, it's not a simple thing to enact because sometimes there's agendas uh, and there's agendas within counties, within county boards, within clubs even. But if you can get everyone kind of rowing in the, in, in the right direction, um, you can just see what happens. And Tipperary have, they have a chance this year. And I think for them, again, you know, people talk about success and progress. Success for Tipperary will be to try to get into the quarterfinal, that that quarterfinal weekend. Um, and if they can give a scare along the way in the Munster, still think it's a bit of a step for them. Yeah. Kerry are Kerry. You know, like, I mean, uh, you've got Galvin back. Will that be a hindrance or a help? You've got, you know, uh, now young Kerry lads, which is the worst thing. They all have All-Ireland medals in their back pocket. So now they feel like they belong, you know, and now they're probably standing up with their hand up and they're leading. So you've a re- you're have you in a nice situation if you're, if you're, if you're a Kerry supporter. Um, and Cork, again, I'd love Cork to come out and, and play how I think Cork can play. 
I think in the league final against Dublin, they just shot themselves in the foot, really. Um, they basically conceded the ball to Dublin and they were very, very poor. Is that fixable? I think it is fixable, yeah. yeah. I think people writing them off too early is, is, is could be... Uh, the wrong thing to do yeah. it is fixable like I mean they brought O'Driscoll back from corner forward and he played in front of his full back line and again what happened was Philly McMahon came out the field but he basically was being bypassed in Crow Park because it's too big so you can't if you're going to go defensive you go defensive you don't just throw one man back um, they still have the players they have no midfield though uh, and I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way but they need a big man in midfield and it's no surprise then to see Alan O'Connor being asked back because if you notice against Dublin in the league, they were hardly kicking long, long kickouts. They were just dropping kickouts to the 30 metre, 35, 40 metre, and then they were under pressure straight away um, because they weren't able to just put the ball down and bang it out 60, 70 metres to the likes of an O'Connor. So if they can fix that, get their midfield working, get the ball away from their goal, they have a serious forward line threat um, okay. and still one of the best forward lines, I would think, in the country. Now, what about Kerry last year? They kind of. I won't say reverted to type, but put Donaghy in at full forward and really did work towards the end of the championship. Did they have to evolve that this year? Or is it a case that you can do that again? Because, you know, even if you know that's going to happen, even if you know that's what you're going to come up against, very hard to stop it, especially when you've Donaghy winning ball with very good players around him and Gooch back as well. Correct. Yeah, and that is that is the thing. Um like, I mean, as long as you're winning enough ball, which they will do with the likes of Maher um, in midfield, as long as you're winning enough ball as a Kerry player out the field, it is a very, very nice thing to know that if you're under pressure or if you don't have support runners, that you can just look up and you can ping a 45, 50 metre pass either cross field or just directly in on top of Donaghy. And what he will cause for the opposition manager is, the opposition manager, you know, full back wise, and I've played against Donaghy on, on, on numerous occasions, he's massively strong. So to get involved in a tussle with him, a physical battle, of trying to push him off the ball is, is, is just a no-no because he will, he'll basically, he'll, he'll use his backside, he'll push you out of the way from the basketball and you'll be able to catch the ball or bat it down to someone. But, so what you have to try to do is stay off him, play off him, um, which is a bit of a riskier game. But what it causes, as I say, is it causes another back generally to come in and try to sit in front of him as well, which releases a forward. Um, and if they're using even Donaghy again as a kind of a foil, you can have Cooper then snip, snipping in left and right, maybe playing at 11, maybe playing in beside mm-hmm. Donaghy, who can come short for balls. Um, and while the focus is on Donaghy, the balls could be going elsewhere. Um, and the great thing about Kerry is, even though they had Donaghy in there, they mix it up. They don't just bombard him with high balls. They put in low and sometimes to him. So if you're playing him from behind, he'll get it out in front of you. Kerry, I think, are, are you know, could they make it? Could There hasn't been, it's been one of the hardest things to do in the modern day is back it up, you know, go two years in a row. They certainly have the quality. They certainly have the manager. Um, and as I said, they've Gooch back now and Galvin back. So, they have the they have the manpower. One last question, and we can keep this one very very tight. Um, and there's a caveat because it's the start of the championship, and uh, you know there's yeah, so much thanks, that can yeah. happen between now and September. But who would be your backing for the All Ireland? I'm going to say Kerry. Anthony Moyles, former Meath footballer, thanks for joining us. A full and detailed preview of the hurling championship next week and reaction to some of the games. We mentioned there, including Tyrone against Donegal. That's going on on Sunday. Galway taking on Leitrim. Louth up against Westmead. That one going on in Drogheda. Uh, games on Saturday night as well between uh, Leash and Carlow. The winners going on to play Kildare. And, of course, there's Offaly and Longford. Raf Diallo of Team 33 and Off the Ball joins us because it is a Champions League week. It's the semi-final second legs this Tuesday and Wednesday night. And uh, Tuesday night, Bayern Munich quite simply have a mountain to climb. They do have a mountain to climb and just want to reference, you mentioned Leitrim in there. Whenever that word comes up, my ears prick up. So thank you very much anyway for mentioning it, as you probably should because we are involved in the fixtures. Anyway, moving on to the more important important things. There are so many mean things I could say right now, but it would just be unnecessary. It would be, yeah. No, Barcelona, yeah, they have this game pretty much wrapped up. I mean, if it had finished 2-0, okay, you might give... Pep Guardiola a chance of maybe trying to find a game plan that would give him the gap necessary to overcome that but a 3-0 scoreline with a team that has the firepower of Lionel Messi Luis Suarez Neymar they won't be held scoreless well well maybe they could be held scoreless but you would but if you're going to go and attack Barcelona 
you're going to expect something coming back as well. And with that 3-0 gap, I just cannot see Bayern Munich coming back and overturning this at all. Is it a bit personal between particularly Messi and Guardiola? Yeah, there's some weird, some weird suggestions. Like Messi, um, I know he kind of said he doesn't have a relationship with Pep now, but obviously they, they live in different countries and I'm, I don't know how close they were anyway. Even if their working relationship worked out perfectly while Pep was at Barcelona, it doesn't mean that they were buddy-buddy off the pitch and probably it's actually quite unlikely that they were. Um, and also, when Pep was leaving, I remember at the time there was... There was kind of rumours that there was some amount of tension between Messi and Pep. And I remember there was one particular story, I don't know how true this is, but I'll say it anyway, uh, that during a team meeting or whatever, you know, Pep, I think, had said no Coke, and I mean Coca-Cola, <laughs> just to clarify. And uh, But Messi pretty much, you know, flouted that law and had a, had a Coke. Wow, he had a can of Coke. That's had a can of Coke, of yeah. rebelling. That was rebelling, you know. Okay. Fair I did enough. hear this story now. I don't know how true it is. So It's not just... exactly up there with Joey Barton's bad no. eggs in the dressing room at QPR, is it? <laughs> no, it's slightly, slightly calmer. Okay. <laughs> um, what about Guardiola? Is he not long for this Bayern world? Is he on his way to the Premier League in Manchester Not City? straight away. He, he, no? He's even said it today that, um, you know, he said it a hundred million times. I'm staying. And I think that's it. I think he's the type that would honour his contract. So I know Manchester City are hovering. And they want to keep him as well because... They do. Apparently... Okay. Despite the fact that things haven't exactly worked out at this stage of the competition for two years in a row, they still see him as the best man. So if the option came up to renew his contract, they probably would still take it. The only thing as well, Graham Hunter was saying on Off the Ball, for example, that Pep isn't too happy with the... With some of the traditions Bayern Munich have and like some of the sniping coming from the likes of Franz Beckenbauer, who has a lot to say for himself, yeah. even though he is a legend, so he has the right to say what he likes. But, yeah. you know. I'm going to tie Leitrim in with Barcelona because you did mention... This Leitrim. is that this has Le- never Le- happened Le- before. Well, well Leitrim <laughs> are without their Luis Suarez. Oh, we are, yeah, yeah, we are. He kind of looks like Luis Suarez, which is why I'm oh, trying to. He does, to yeah. Um, Uncannily so. Better looking than Suarez, according to my other half. We look from Leitrim standards, yeah. yeah. Well, well, you're a handsome man. I know. He's a handsome man. <laughs> Declan Darcy, captain, you know, handsome man, looks good for his age. Yes, anyway, we're yes. going down a, a road that I didn't intend to. But anyway, what I'm saying is, is <laughs> in a very loose way, we've seen. What happened to Leitrim without Emlyn Mulligan? Yes. They've struggled this year. We've seen what happened to Liverpool without Suarez, the 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 the, the Uruguayan Mulligan. Yes. <laughs> Barcelona and Suarez had a rough start, but it has worked out. I probably just should have just said at the start, this move has worked out rather than bringing it has. Emlyn Mulligan into it, Leitrim into it, Liverpool into it. No, and but the fact I like that, the tangent. I like Leitrim being drawn yeah. into every conversation yeah, if well, at all I, possible. It was the only way I could kind of stretch to get them in. Yes. No, look, it's uh, it's worked out great eventually. Yeah, I know the problem was when he first arrived, he, you know, he'd been out for four months because he'd bitten someone at the World Cup. So, yeah, just so, to clarify, Suarez, not Mulligan. Not Mulligan, no. Okay, Mulligan good. isn't the type to do that no, at he all. Wouldn't. No, no. Um, I don't know Mulligan, so, but yeah, I, he assume, wouldn't. I assume he he's sound. He's from he my part of the country. I met so him a couple of times, interviewed him a couple of yeah. times. Good guy. Go on. Yeah. Um, you know, he'd. Uh, it wasn't the best way to start life at a new club. And then, just as time went on, he's just bedded in and, you know, he got his first hat-trick there not so long ago. The, I think the best, the great thing for him as well, Lionel Messi isn't the type, he's not a Cristiano Ronaldo that wants to hog the limelight. He let his teammates grow around him and, you know, Neymar has thrived beside him and the same is happening for Suarez as well. You know, it's it feels like they're a bit of a team up front. Like, they can switch positions. Suarez can move out wide. He can come, he can move in centrally. He can he can move in a little bit deeper. He can run behind the lines. I think it's... You would always doubt that, the, you know, the whole Neymar-Suarez-Messi thing might not work just because, historically, if you put three or four great players together, sometimes it just doesn't work. But this seems to be working very, very smoothly. And it looks like they're... like. They won again at the weekend in La Liga. I think they're probably going to end up winning the title regardless of this uh, strike that may happen or may not happen. Okay, Wednesday night, Juventus against Real Madrid. Juventus with the advantage, but... The away goal to Real Madrid always makes things interesting. And they're at home, obviously. They are at home, but they're not exactly in great form. They uh, drew 2-2 at the weekend with Valencia at home as well, where they were 2-0 down. I was watching the second half of this game and... Yes, they fought back quite well in the second half, but again, they're up against Valencia, who are an inferior side. Although Valencia are strong in their own right, but they're not, you know, they're not Real Madrid level at the moment. And uh, just kind of looking at it, 
Real, and I know this is a point Graham Hunter also made and off the ball, they're missing something in midfield. Obviously, Luka Modric being the, the person who's, you know, he had injuries recently. So Sergio Ramos was kind of trialled in midfield, didn't exactly work out, even though he's actually quite, for a defender, he's technically quite good, but it's not the same as being in the thick of a midfield battle. So we'll just see how that works out. And I suppose there's worries over Gareth Bale as well. There's constant sniping from the Spanish media, which some of it is fair because he's not playing well. Um, and I suppose Benzema was out as well, but I think he's kind of back now, and he's kind of important up front because as much as he's a great striker, he also is unselfish in the way he tries to create space for people like Cristiano Ronaldo, and, uh, you know, Ronaldo, again, you know, I I might call him selfish, I might see him as quite selfish, but... uh, at the end of the day, he does get the job done. And he did score in the first leg, so we'll see what happens. I would still fancy Juventus with the decent defence they have to just about hold out. Maybe get a 1-1 draw or something. And they do have Carlos Tevez, who is in fantastic form for them. When can we catch up with Team 33 this week? Tuesday night, midnight. Um, that's Wednesday morning as well, um, uh, to say it another way. And then we're also on Friday at 11, but the podcast is out Tuesday. Raf Diallo of Team 33 and Off the Ball thanks for joining us on the Monday Rewind that's it for this week don't forget to join us next Monday when we'll preview a weekend in the Guinness Pro 12 that will hopefully see Munster and Ulster earn home semi-finals Connacht earn a spot in the Champions Cup and Leinster guarantee their spot in next year's Champions Cup we'll have more on the GA football and uh, as I say a big preview of the hurling and we'll have the Premier League until then take care The Monday Rewind 